This morning we're continuing on um, our sermon series and uh, we've been looking at Acts and working through what it looks like for us to be a church that's on fire with love and power of the Holy Spirit and uh, to be a church that is committed to seeing their town come to life through Jesus. Um, We want to be a church by which we are able to be a blessing, show love to our town um, and be a church full of the Holy Spirit. And what we read in Acts is that when Jesus captures a person's heart and fills them with the Holy Spirit, everything changes. Everything begins to change. You may have experienced this yourself, that moment where um, you became a Christian, a follower of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. You started to find that things began to change in you. Um, You were surprised at how you became more generous or more compassionate or how you were less concerned about your needs and became more concerned about the needs of others. The ways in which Christ um, starts to work in you and forms you into, um, well, into the likeness of himself. Um, And uh, it's a wonderful story at the beginning of Acts where this is what happens. Um, Jesus captures a whole crowd's heart and fills them with the Holy Spirit. And and what happens is we see a move of the gospel that transforms a culture, one where uh, compassion reigns, where generosity reigns, where there are signs and miracles, like a move of God. Um, And we're looking at these passages because we long to see the Lord do that again in our town. We long to see that happen in our church, um, where we as a community um, have had a real experience of God. Um, and know his presence coursing through our veins, the Holy Spirit, and that that causes us to go into our town and to make a difference, to stand up against injustice, um, to pray for the flourishing of the, 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 the high street, um, and to share Jesus with those people um, that we encounter, um, not in a way that's like, you know, we want, to, we want to manipulate or any of that kind of stuff. We just want to speak of the love that we've experienced in Christ. We want to share with people that they are loved. And uh, that's, that's really why we're looking at Acts, and that's really why we're here as a church. Um, and uh, every time I hear the story of someone's life that's been, you know, touched by Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit, um, it, it really moves me. And uh, I remember while I was at HTB, I was, um, one of the, I was one of the youth workers there for a couple of years, and I remember Nicky Gumbel getting up and interviewing this guy um, and he, he told his story of how Jesus kind of captured his heart and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and his whole life was utterly transformed for the very best. Um, you may have heard him because I think he gets wheeled out all the time. Uh, he's a guy called Shane Taylor. Um, and uh, I've got a little video because I thought rather than me retelling the story, I've got this video of him telling his story. So um, why don't you watch uh, the video just for a moment? Isn't that amazing? And I, every time I've, I've, I've watched, uh, I've heard him speak, he always chokes up at that point when he says, God, you know, I hate who I am. Um, and, uh, and, and just that remarkable moment where God fills him with the Holy Spirit and his whole life is transformed. And this is what we see at the beginning of Acts. And this is what I long for um, when I think about Christchurch. Um, people who um, 
who, 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 feel, who are far from God, who feel like their lives might potentially be of a mess, um, um, encountering God, knowing forgiveness, seeing the course of their life um, transformed, and, uh, and Jesus just reigned. It's, it's an incredible, incredible thing, and that's what we long for here. Um, and so, so the story so far in the beginning of Acts has been one where um, the disciples they waited for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came and filled those, those disciples. Um, the crowd watched on, like, what the heck is going on? Are these guys drunk? And Peter stands up and he shouts, these people aren't drunk, they're full of God. They've had their heart captured by Jesus and they're full of the Holy Spirit. And then he declares the gospel. He tells them about who Jesus is. Then the people's response was, what can we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. That is to surrender yourself to God um, and, and be obedient to what he's asking you to do. And what we read next then in Acts is what effect Pentecost had on the church, what effect Pentecost had on that, that early Christian community. And, and we start then to ask ourselves a question, what does a spirit-filled church look like? And what would our church look like um, as a spirit-filled church, a people whose hearts have been captured by Christ, those people who take time to be filled with the Spirit on an ongoing way? And so let's have a look at this passage together. If you have a Bible, um, it's in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Um, and Beth is going to um, preach next week on the second half of this passage. But we're going to read um, all of this passage now. Beth probably thought I was about to ask her to do something. <laughs> I saw it on her face as I looked up. She was like, but he hasn't asked me to do that. And Beth's going to preach the rest of this sermon now. Um, <laughs> I've written it out mostly verbatim, so you should be fine. Um, So Acts chapter 2, verse 42, um, this is what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The incredible um, effect the Holy Spirit has on this community. If you break this down, and which is what we're going to do over the next two weeks, um, I hope that your heart is the same as mine. We're like, Lord, form us into that kind of community. Form us into that kind of community where we are people who, who love God, who want more of God in our lives, and help us to be a community that loves others, um, that is committed to blessing others. Um, and that's what I'm hoping over these next couple of weeks. That's what God forms us into. Um, that we become a church that's really conscious that we haven't just been saved from something, but we have been saved for something. Um, Jesus came to the cross to renew and restore all of creation. Um, and so he has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And that's what you see outworked in these verses here in Acts chapter 2. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. The signs and the wonders performed by the apostles. You know, I long to see more of these signs and miracles, for God to move in such a way um, that, that, that lives are utterly transformed. Like Lauren was just saying, she had been prayed for before the service, she was in a bunch of pain. People got around to pray for the pain has basically gone. Um, and we like, and I don't want to say that kind of <laughs> in a laissez-faire, that's, that's incredible, isn't it? Like you were in a lot of pain. You're not in a lot of pain. God did some work in you. Yeah? Mm. And we long for more of that, that God would move in such a way um, that people are healed, that lives are restored, that addictions are broken, that people experience freedom. And in every case, and I'm not going to spend much time on that particular verse, but in every case, the signs and miracles served as a platform for which we were able, or Peter in this case, and the disciples, as you read through Acts, are able to articulate the gospel. Miracles don't happen just for miracles' sake. Miracles happen so that we can see the kindness and the goodness of God, and we're able to tell people about it. And so what we've experienced, what Lauren has experienced today is something of the kindness and the goodness of God, an outworking of the gospel in her physical body, in order that we were able to say to people, there is a God who loves you, who is concerned about your needs, who knows the pain that you have even in your bodies and longs to meet with you and longs to heal you. And what's fascinating about that particular verse is that everyone was filled with awe. And it's a sense in which these things were happening, these miracles and these signs and wonders weren't happening inside the the Christian community so much, but must have been happening outside, that everyone was filled with awe. Because all the other lines are like, the disciples did this and the followers of Jesus did this, but there's this one line that said, everyone was filled with awe. There was a sense in which the crowd was gathering going, gosh... This isn't just the disciples. Like, God is on the move. He's real. And so we long, and I mean, I, I long for more of that. And I, I guess I want to encourage us as a church. Let's, let's pray prayers that only God can answer. Let's be brave. You know, if we, if we encounter people who are going through stuff, let's talk to them. But let's also be bold enough to pray that God would intervene miraculously. Um, so that he's able to draw them to himself and people can experience the love that God has for them. So it's clear to me when I read the, just these kind of five, six, I have maths isn't my strong point, there's a, there's a number of verses, but not very many, less than 10 certainly. And it's clear um, to me that being filled with Christ being filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a dramatic change that happens, not just in an individual, but within a community. When the Spirit fills you, he will begin to shape and form you in all sorts of ways. And it begins, as we read last week, around kind of repentance, surrendering our whole self to him and saying, will you have your way? And what you'll notice when you do that is that your priorities will start to change um, you, you long to learn more about who God is. Um, you will find freedom in new ways. Um, there's a freedom that will enable you to be you, to be not just okay with you, but begin to love who God has created you to be. Your devotions and your practices will begin to change. How you use your money, your time, and your talents will start to change. How you conduct yourself in the workplace and how you interact with the world and creation will begin to change as the Holy Spirit forms and shapes you. 
And this is exactly what happened in the early church. I read this last week, but I want to read it to you again. Justin Martyr, who was like a theologian in the second century, he wrote to the Roman emperor of the day. He was writing about the church and the impact they were having on the local society. He said, we were formerly rejoiced in the uncleanliness of life, but now we love only chastity. Before we used magic arts, but now we dedicate ourselves to the true and unbegotten God. Before we loved money and possessions more than anything, but now we share what we have to everyone who's in need. Before we hated one another and killed one another and would not eat with those of another race. But now since the manifestation of Christ, we've come to a common life and pray for our enemies and try to win over those who hate us without just cause. And then in other places, he, he continues to say how the Christians, uh, Christianity sometimes won people over when they saw the consistency in the lives of believers, noting their extraordinary forbearance when cheated and their honesty in business de- dealings. There's a sense in which when the Spirit takes hold and fills your life, starts to form and shape you, um, suddenly the church isn't something that's kind of shaped by the culture around them, but we become a, 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 a movement by which culture is shaped. The purpose of the church is to, is to see the culture before us and create another way, a way that, that, that is about equality, which is about generosity, about lifting the name of Jesus high. It's about being, being in this kingdom and our king being Jesus. And so I'd love, for, you know, my prayer really for us is that the Lord starts to put pictures and dreams in your hearts about what it looks like to stand up against some of the injustices we see in the world um, and to create a different way with the spirit kind of, you know, awakening your kind of missional imagination, I suppose. Um, because I think we have such a job to do and it's such an exciting project that we're a part of um, that God is leading us in. So if we go back to this passage for today, um, I'm really just going to focus on the first verse, um, verse 42, um, and Beth's going to do the rest next week. The, the one word really that strikes me um, when I look at this passage is the word devoted. Um, if you put up the, just verse Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. And when, when the, they use the word devoted um, in, this, in this passage, it, it, it just, it's a word that kind of describes being steadfast or committed or persistent or constant in their focus. Um, this is what the disciples and the church set their mind to when, uh, they, when they did their lives. Um, and there are four things in verse 42 um, that... that that they note, um, among some other things that we should look at next week. Um, so the first thing is they devoted themselves, they made it a focus of their lives to, to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what that means is that they, they gave time, probably, most definitely, the first fruit, like the best time, not the scraps. I'm so guilty of giving God the scraps. When I've done, I've worked out my whole day and all the things that I have to do, if there's any time left over, that's what God gets. I do that with my finances. It's like, he gets the scraps. And this wouldn't have been the case for these guys. They weren't giving the scraps, they were giving their best. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to learning more about God, who he is and what it looks like to live a life in obedience to him, to become more like Jesus. They took the time. They prioritized learning more about who God is. 
and what his plan is for their lives. And so for us today, um, that would mean making it a priority each day to, to read scripture, to meditate on it, to um, discuss it with other Christians, work out how to apply it to your life. Um, and, and there are loads of different ways that you can do this. Um, it might be that you just want to focus on a verse a day and just chew on that and figure out what that might mean for you and what God might speak to you through that. It might be that you want to uh, follow a Bible plan, of which there are multiple. Um, I've, I've found that the, in the past, the Bible in one year that Nikki Gumbel and the Alpha guys do is a really helpful um, Bible plan. Um, if you go on to, if you've got the Version app on your phone, which is the Bible app, there are countless um, kind of Bible plans that would just help you engage with Scripture and figure out what it's about. Um, so there are loads of tools out there, but actually it's just a decision um, that, that we need to make. Um, are we prioritizing time in Scripture to learn more about who God is, what he's like and what it looks like to follow him in today's culture? Um, there are also loads of podcasts and books and all sorts of different things that, that you're able to listen to and chew on, which will help increase your knowledge of God and your love for him. So that's the first thing the apostles did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They got into scripture and they worked out what it looked like to live for God. Secondly, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Um, they had a deep commitment to each other. They had a commitment to learning about who God is. They had a deep commitment to each other. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. Um, and it's much, when, when you, you look at the, the definition of that word, it's much deeper than just hanging out or sitting next to someone and not talking to them. It's much deeper, actually, than just gathering on a Sunday like we do and sitting in, in our chairs. It is, it is a deep commitment to one another. It is, it is a doing life with one another. It is, it's, a, it's a bearing with. It is, um, it is a vulnerable kind of vision for community where you take the mask down and you say, this is who I am. And it's within this kind of community um, that you get to love one another and experience love. It's a type of community where you are encouraged, um, you are strengthened, um, you are, people are like cheering you on so that you become more like Christ. You are people, we are people who have got each other's backs, um, that journey with each other in the highs and the lows of life. It is a vision of community that I long for. Um, and actually, it's a vision of community that our culture and our town longs for. So often, we put on a mask, don't we, that we have this version of ourselves that we want people to see and love. <laughs> and uh, we do that on social media. Um, I've been guilty of that. You know, I, you, like, you take a picture, like, yes, that is the very best angle of me. Um, it doesn't reveal the 14 double chins <laughs> that I have. And uh, it also makes it look like I've got life under control when in actual fact, my life is chaos. And, and so we, and then I like, put that picture up and I was like, wow, what a great father, great pastor, you know, looks fit, must look after his body, all that sort of stuff. And you're like, wow, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, so often we do that. And, and what, what we're looking for here is to be a, a, a community where we are able to be free. That's what Christ has done for us on the cross. He has, he has made us free. And yet, 
for some reason, even when we come to church, we still cage ourselves or bind ourselves up thinking that we need to behave and look and act and do all these things in a certain sort of way. We need to be a community in which we love unconditionally. The people who come along know that they'll be loved for who they are. Um, so this, this deep fellowship, this is what they devoted themselves to because it is a costly kind of community. It's not one that's easy. It means bearing with one another, going through the very lows and the very highs. Um, and so that's what I'd love the Lord to form us into. This be a, fo- a priority, a place of deep friendship. The third thing was to breaking of bread, which is what we would call um, communion, um, where, which we do once a month here with... Um, the most, the finest um, fresh bread that my bread maker can create. Um, and in, though in, in that kind of first century context, um, communion would have looked so different. Breaking bread would have looked so different. It would have been a great feast. It would have been a feast by which um, people were able to eat with thankfulness for the life and the freedom they have through Christ, where they celebrate the victory over sin and death that Jesus purchased. It would have been a joyful occasion. It would have been a celebration. It would have been something that people were longing to come to um, when they gathered, breaking bread together, a massive feast. And what often happened is it was, it was, they had so much surplus of these feasts that they were then able to go and feed those who didn't have anything as well. So it was like it became a wonderful moment of thankfulness, all the things that God has given us. And then they were able to bless the local community with the excess. And um, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's kind of captured my heart a little bit when I think about what breaking bread could be like in our community. Um, so often it's kind of whittled down. Well, John Marcoma, actually, he, he wrote of um, breaking bread like this. The Lord's Supper, communion. Uh, John Marcoma is a, a pastor in the US, just in case you didn't know. The Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist, whatever you call this meal, it is at the core of the way of Jesus. In the early church, there's no doubt it was the center of gravity in the weekly gathering. But a lot has changed over two millennia. Uh, originally, it was a meal, not a bite of a cracker and a sip of juice. It was enjoyed around a table, not in a cathedral with pews. It was a joyful party more than a quiet, contemplative sacrament. And it was about communion with each other, not just communion with God. In fact, it was even a vehicle of social justice as it gave food to the poor and the church and the city. And so sadly, he writes, the meal has become the mass. And so there's something really beautiful that was happening among the new believers. They committed themselves to breaking bread. It was far more than a cracker and a sip of juice, as John Mark Homer says. It was something that built their community and was a vehicle by which they had community with each other, community with God, and were able to bless the poor. So watch this space. I think, I think we could have a lot of fun with breaking bread together. And then lastly, to prayer. And prayer is something we've been talking about a lot, connecting with God together and individually, where we come to God bringing our worship, our praise, our thanks, our concerns, our worries, our problems, our sin, our mistakes, where we bring the state of the world to him, we bring our town, um, Felton, we pray, would you have your way in Felton um, as it is in heaven. And it's so important, our prayer, devoting ourselves to prayer. And we've been speaking about it from the very start because it's become something of a, a forgotten or a lost practice within the Western church. Prayer is just not a priority anymore. And we need to prioritize it. We need to be bringing the worries and the concerns and the brokenness of our town to God and asking to move in power, to set our church on fire, to bring life 
to Felton. This is our great privilege as a church, to pray. Um, And so I'd ask you again to make the furnace a priority as much as you can um, because it is the engine room or the furnace um, by which God can move and fill us and and, and where we bring our concerns to him. Right, so if I was to to kind of bring this all to a close, um, if we move back to the original question, uh, the original question, so what effect um, did Pentecost have on the church? And what does a spirit-filled church look like? What were they devoted to? We can see just from this verse that they were, they were committed to learning. Um, they were committed to each other. They were committed to breaking bread and to prayer. And the summary kind of is they were committed to loving God and to loving each other. And just to say, I don't think that this is, the, this is what occupied their whole lives. I'm sure that they had work and they had family and they had life and they had hobbies. Um, but what we're saying here is that these practices, these, these activities were a priority. It wasn't like um, they were the afterthought. Okay, I've done everything else I need to do. Now I'll do this. It was like we start with this and everything flows from that. And so it got me thinking by way of application it got me looking at my own life and asking the question, gosh, as a spirit-filled Christian, as someone who has cap- my heart has been captured by Jesus, and it absolutely has, if I look at my life and how I use my time, how I spend my money, what does it reveal? What does it say about me? What am I devoted to? Now, so I kind of mind in deeper. It's like, well, what's the first thing I do when I wake up? What's the last thing I do when I go to sleep? Where does, the, where does my priority for a quiet time or prayer life happen in my life? If I was to print out my bank statement, which I've done before, I think I told you in the context of young adults, it was the most embarrassing revealing I've ever done. I, if I was to print out my bank statement and just go through it item by item, would it say about me, I am someone that is devoted to God, or would it say that I'm devoted to clothes or haircuts or whatever it might be? What am I devoted to? And I wonder, and I, you know what, I did that and I didn't, I, I didn't, didn't feel me like, oh yes, you know, I, I'm like the early church, you know, <laughs> look at me, I'm the model Christian. It, it, said, it said frightening things about me. What's the first thing I look at? Oh, my phone. And I, it's something that I, I want, I, I don't want that to be the case. What priorities is the prayer and quiet time? Well, like I've already said, so often it gets the scraps of my day because I've become so busy. I'm sure that they were busy, but the priority for them was investing in their relationship with God. What does my bank statement point to? Not very much. I mean, it, it wouldn't reveal a huge amount about what my devotional priorities are. And so it's been quite a convicting thought when I start to think about what am I devoting my heart and my life And I wonder if you were to take stock, do an audit of your life of how you use your time, your talent, your treasure, what would it say? What does it say about you? What does it say about what you are devoted to? And my hope is, my prayer um, in this moment, is that that we would become the type of spirit-filled community that we see written in these verses that God would form us 
And this is what he does. When we surrender ourselves to him, he begins to form and shape us so that we become more like him, so that we become people who are devoted to learning more about who God is, what his plan is for our life. You know, you can never really um, learn enough about the different aspects to God and how much he loves you. Um, devoted to each other so that our relationships have more depth, that there's more freedom in here um, than ever before. To breaking bread, which I, I, I can't wait to think more about what that looks like for us as a community and to prayer. And so it's not surprising really with the, the, the way that the Lord's kind of formed and shaped the early church, that the, the whole of the society began to change. And so my prayer for us, and that's what we're going to do now, um, is, is ask that the Lord would form us in his kindness, form us into that kind of community, that he would change our, our heart and our priorities, that they would kind of sink up to his, that what breaks his heart would break ours, um, that we would have this burning desire in us to spend more time with him, to learn about who he is. Um, and so part of our response when we... When, when, you know, when we, we kind of look at all I've been sharing this morning is, is really surrender, to say to Jesus afresh today, Holy Spirit, will you form me? Will you shape me? Would you shake up my priorities such that the pursuit of you, the love of God and the love of others takes priority and everything flows out of that? I think surrender is the first part. The second part is obedience. For some of us, we need to make a decision this morning um, that that we are going to make some of these things I've been talking about this morning a priority. Um, that it might be worth just sitting down and looking at your week. Where does God fit into it? Where does relationships with others fit into it? How is God at work in your life? So, you, know, you hear that illustration about the, you know, you, if you have a, a vase and you, you've got like a bunch of big rocks and lots of little rocks and you want to put them all in the vase, uh, the way to do it is to get the big rocks in first and the little rocks will fit around the big rocks. But so often we put the little rocks, which is uh, less important things in our lives, and put them all in first and then the big rocks don't fit. And so I hope that makes sense. It made sense to me in my mind. <laughs> um, and so if we look at the big rocks that we want to get in place, you know, spending time with God, loving each other, um, breaking bread, doing community, prayer, um, how, can, how is it that we can, we can get them in first and allow everything else to kind of fit around those things? And so it, it, it is a challenge. Um, and it's a question of obedience. And I'm, I'm really struck with um, that passage in um, Hebrews chapter 10, um, verse 24. It says, let us consider how we can spur one, another, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, for us to be that type of community, that we are thoughtful about what it looks like to spur one another on, um, to help each other become all that God has called us to be and longs for us to be here in Feltham. Um, and so my prayer, my hope in closing, is that the, the, the fruit of us being a spirit-filled community um, is that um, God would form us into a people who deeply love God, who want more of God, and who deeply love each other 
who, who, who would form us into the type of community where we are known, where we're free, we can be ourselves. Um, and that through this, through this deep work of formation in us individually and corporately, he would work through this church um, and bring a life and transformation to Felton. And that just as we saw, if you read the last verse 47, that the Lord would add to our number daily those being saved. Not so that we become, you know, the biggest church in the local area. Um, that's never been my heart. My heart has always been, you know, like Shane Taylor. Have an encounter with Jesus that would transform your life. That's why we're here.